Chaos Rain. Chaos Rain presents Domestic Abuse, Remedies and Solutions with special guest D. Durrell. Broadcast August the 15th, 2021. Enjoy.
views expressed on Talk Real Solutions hosted by Tyrone Thompson at TalkRealSolutions.com are the views of Tyrone Thompson and do not reflect the views of TalkRealSolutions.com, YouTube, or etc. The content here belongs to Talk Real Solutions and its many contributors. Views and opinions expressed by all contributors belong to them and not TalkRealSolutions.com or Tyrone Thompson, the host, or etc. All data and information provided on the site is for informational purposes only. Talk Real Solutions makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information on this site and will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its display or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. In the world where there's crime, corruption, violence, murder, rape, theft, and all forms of atrocity that plague the world in which we live in today, what you're witnessing, we are living in a state of chaos, and to a greater or more extreme chaos, to restore the order in which the world we live in today. Good evening, my people. This is Chaos Rain here. And today's subject and topic at hand is some of importance. Um, this is something that is not really, really discussed much in a lot of communities, a lot of communities here in America. Um, something that will get into a lot of males' feelings, and it will make maybe potentially a lot of women cringe a little bit. But the story and the topic at hand should be educational for our understanding and for our educational purpose. And hell, enjoy because you can learn some. But before I give you the title for today's stream. Go to TalkRealSolutions.com where you see a three-point plan for black empowerment, black achievement. Also on the three-point plan, it's always recommended that you should start a black-owned business. Now, mind y'all, for throughout 2020 and the year before, I stopped talking about it because, you know, people nowadays, if they know how to do entrepreneurship, they have programs and probably, you know, videos or resources to go about it in a proper way, and I never see the importance of expression, but now that we're living in more harsher times and the economy is very much uncertain, it wouldn't hurt to do your own thing if you are still maintaining that 9 to 5 job, especially. So, you know, if you look for side gigs, side hustle, side hustles, I mean, starting black business will help. I mean, so, but look into it to your own discretion. Also, on TRS website, you will see um, the latest news, articles, current events on the website. And there's also a donation tab on the website if you want to contribute to the channel itself on the website. Also, you can also follow TRS, Talk World Solutions, on Facebook as well. Type in Talk World Solutions. And... Once you hit the like group, you'll get invite to the private chat room on Talk Real Solutions. You trust me, you like it. It's very interesting. Um, I always see they go back and forth between politics and 
all what's going on current events and you know we have a good time a real good time in the um, chat room on Facebook so join the page today and also talk real solutions on YouTube as well you the same um, name title you'll find it on YouTube and also if you're not familiar chaos rain does have a channel as well chaos rain channel you know where to find me um, hit the red button the top bell where you find all my latest broadcasts interviews etc and uploads on the channel YouTube so check me out and I think that's pretty much it I think I laid all the groundwork now for the title at hand let me put my little Facebook for a second today's subject is titled chaos rain presents domestic abuse also with remedies and solutions with the return of my special guest D. Darrell. Um, D. Darrell, can you hear me? Yes, brother. I'm, here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Welcome back again to Talk Real Solutions. You know, I know that you're starting to pick up certain attraction lately on the internet, especially on YouTube again. Um, I'm not sure if people was not familiar with the last time we had a conversation. I think your channel was still up at the time, last time we talked, the end of 2020. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, I think they took it down on YouTube like before the end of December, or was it earlier than that? Your original channel. Is I think that was the same time we did the interview. I I could be wrong. My yes. So around the time we had this discussion, lo and behold, it was taken down. Now, Dieter, do you know any people or any person that didn't like the way you were doing things made it a way to take down your channel on YouTube? For some reason. Mainly, for some reason, I uh, there were certain subgroups of certain sectors that didn't like. Uh, at the time, um, I had issues with three groups of people. Um, <laughs> around October, I would say. There were a bunch of people in Manosphere 3.0 that did like mm -hmm. uh, Also, um, uh, some of the, the heavier hitters in SYSM. Okay. Um, and also, in the Umar sector, the, the anti-fraud work that, that don't like Umar Johnson. Um, mm -hmm. I actually found out that it was, at the time when the channel was shut down, um, that was a particular person in 3.0. They said when he, when he celebrated when my channel was shut down. So wow. Thought they had something to do with it, but I eventually found out that there were a few people in the Umar sector that claimed that I was saying hate speech towards the LGBT community. And what I found out to some of the people who used to be in that crew that are no longer in that crew. Mm -hmm. They gave me the strategy of how they took my channel down, and what I found out was that they repetitively complained about my channel for about three or four months before they decided to. So, um, it took them like four months to get my channel shut down. Hmm. And you did try to fight, appeal it to get it back up and running, correct? Yes, I did. Mm. Because 
the channel I had, the D Garrell channel, also had another channel which I'm broadcasting now on, which is the D Garrell the Rebirth, which was actually a music channel. Mm. And uh, that channel still remains up, but they don't allow me all of the the ability to use the the features. Wow. When it first happened, between October and I say January, I was allowed to to, to log in, but um, I wasn't able to log in all the time. I would have to try to log in like three or four times to allow to do it. Um, then around, I would say, uh, around the time we had cold weather in, in Houston and in Texas, struggled to get in inconsistently, and so I kind of gave up on it. Okay. The last time I actually logged on into that account for YouTube mm-hmm. uh, was actually around April, April, May. Okay. And I'm only allowed to log in through basically uh, StreamYard. So I can stream on the channel, but I can't log in. And I'm actually, I have to fill out a form as we speak. They want me to fill out a form and give some information about me not being able to log in. Okay. And, um, I don't. I'm basically looking at it at this point. Right now, I just um, since I um, got my channel shut down, I, I started. I'm I'm doing more consistent content on D Rail Life Solutions. When I first started the channel, I wasn't consistent because I, I my my what I noticed was that when my channel shut down, I actually. Uh, was making more money unmonetized. When I put the cash app up, mm-hmm. for some reason, people were actually donating to me more after that happened than I was than, than when I was actually monetized. So when it had occurred, I was not posting on D-Darrell Life Solutions as, as much. I was probably posting at least maybe maybe three or four times a month, if that. And so I finally decided that um, I want to really, really start doing some real good content on the channel. Okay. And so what I, I, I was streaming at the same time from both channels and so forth, and then um, I decided, okay, I'm going to start hitting, you know, doing content strictly focused on the community, real content. I'm talking about business. My PPP launch uh, uh, videos are doing excellent. Uh, I'm talking about the message. mental health so the channel the way it is now kind of reflects what I really want to do and hopefully what I'm hoping for is once I get over a thousand on, on, on mental health so like the channel the way it is now I'm probably going to I mean the rebirth channel I'm probably going to uh, not uh, use that channel as much you know uh, I'm just going to primarily use the life so that's, that's kind of where I'm at I, I, I want to do content that is based on my expertise at the same time talk about things in which I, you know, have some, you know, uh, knowledge of. Everything's around what I got knowledge of. I'm not going to dive into 
areas where I'm, I don't really have a, a certain skill set or knowledge base in. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. I just hit 300 subscribers earlier this week. I'm at 307. I'm hoping in the next two or three months I can get to about 500. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully by the end of the year, maybe I can get to about 1,000. Hopefully I can get to 1,000. No, between December or February of next year. So that's that's my goal. I think I can get it as long as I put out the content, which is if I put out, I don't even do a lot of live streams on the, on the Life Solutions channel, which I actually did a live stream Friday that did pretty well. Um, so I'm going to, you know, kind of do some little advertising. Do make, Maybe I may create a Facebook group. Um, some of the things that I'm in the workings to do is uh, – I'm going to create a red pill, um, a red pill uh, therapy that's focused on some of the issues that the guys in the in, in this sector talk about in YouTube, the manosphere sectors, red pill sectors. I'm going to kind of label it that, and I want to create a course that focuses on. Uh, you know, doing exercises and different things that can help guys improve on their ability to rid themselves of social inadequacies and awkwardness mm. increase their chances of being able to socialize and effectively communicate with females without going into red pill race. And what I really be honest with you, what the, the whole purpose is to kind of focus on uh, preventing guys from going into red pill race. So that's actually the, the goal I have. I'm hoping, I kind of, uh, once the, the channel got shut down, I, I, I was actually forming a concept for that, and I kind of put it on hold, because when that channel shut down, man, I almost thought about giving up YouTube, like really. Like I really, mm. like, couldn't believe that was the reason, you know, so it, it took me a good three weeks, man. I was really angry for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even want to do content. Like, um, people were looking for me, trying to figure out where I was at. And um, I, I really want to do the content, man. I'm going to be honest. I really just want to do the content. I really just wanted to just, like, just participate on panels here and there. Man, I let go of a lot of channels that I was, uh, uh, that, that I was connected to. Um, uh, man, I, I let go of a lot of channels. Man, I, I reduced reduced my channels. I reduced going to panels. I disassociated from certain people and so forth. Man, I I, I kind of stopped doing a lot of different things. So uh, particularly in the men's sector and in the women's, man. And, and then uh, that same month, I decided to go back. And I, I decided I actually left the manuscript in not the same month. I left the manuscript. And I just went ahead and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into the Omar section full time, which I did. And uh, I ended up making, to be honest with you, from a monetary standpoint, uh, it, it benefited me because the, the, the fans that I had there were more loyal. My presence there, I had a bigger presence status there. And uh, I actually make more money just getting cash out than I was doing, doing the uh, – the uh, monetary monetization, and I'm able to get that. I have over 1,500 subscribers um, on the channel, so that's not bad, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. and, 
uh, I was lucky to get a lot of people that were on the Life Solution channel, which actually had almost 4,500 subscribers. Mm. It took me really three years to build that up, you know, and it was, and, and really right yeah. now, I'm still operating that channel, I probably would have about seven, 8,000 subscribers, you know. Uh, if that channel was still, because at the time I had a lot of momentum. Um, when I create the Reverb channel, you can add additional 1500 that would give you about uh, 6000 And then uh, the Life Solutions channel has 300 So I, I would have been doing about almost close to 7000 subscribers right? if, if, if I wouldn't have, uh, if that channel wouldn't have, wouldn't have been taken down. So, um, it's cool, you know what happens. Build myself up, uh, you know. Uh, no hard feelings. It's part of YouTube. It happens. Um, mm. I take responsibility because I, I did say some things that I don't think it was worth me being. My channel shut down. I think that I should have had a strike and been suspended for maybe a week or two or something like that. Okay. And I felt like that would have been an adequate because uh, uh, I did say some things that was kind of referencing that. So I, I take responsibility for it, but at the same time, um, you know, the channel is still in the up and up. I mean, most of my rebirths, if, if, if I was able to upload uh, and post and stuff like that, um, I, I would have a bigger presence. I can't post anything on the channel because I can't log in. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the, the uh, analytics look like because I can't log into it. Um, there's a lot of things I can't look at on that channel that I wish I could, and if I was able to do so, you know, I, I would have the I would have the ability to know how to tailor my content towards it. But I do miss being able to do uploads because doing I, I was a person that was big on doing uploads, and uh, like I would do if I was and I was going live a lot doing uh, um, like the. Uh, on the go live streams and what I was doing a lot. And actually people really enjoyed um, the the Derail uh, channel when I would go live and go to different businesses live and critique the business, interact with people. I was I was doing interactive stuff with people. Uh, I had interaction with, with a, 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 a interracial couple one time with twirling and stuff and I had some, some pretty entertaining things that happened live, you know, uh, I had some stuff where I, I was talking to people live about things, asking questions about stuff. Um, I was getting ready to do a a big production at the Turkey Leg Hut in Houston. When when there were some issues about it, I couldn't do that. I was going to do that live, and then you know I, I'm actually thinking about doing a live over there where I can talk about the dress code, the dress code changes, and different things about you know people still supporting the the, the uh, business and so on. So, unfortunately, you know, those were things that I enjoyed doing on the weekend. I can't do now. Uh, uh, I'm unable to do it. And I, I don't like doing it on StreamYard. StreamYard, I, I really prefer doing it just, uh, you know, you, you can go live on the go just off the phone. But, um, you know, and StreamYard takes up, when you use your, your device, it, it, it takes a lot of power to operate. It, it can burn it. It can basically, you know, use up a lot of energy. So um, I'm hoping, you know, if I can get 
5,000, you know, I'm kind of pacing myself, get about 500, then from 500 to 7 to 800, then 800 to 1,000. And once I get to that 1,000, I'm probably going to do maybe one or two live streams a week on the Rebirth channel. Mm-hmm. Focus more on the life solutions and, and make that a big part of, 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 of what I'm doing. I'm actually thinking about um, creating a new channel where I'm just talking about black YouTube issues in which I'm going to uh, just focus on, you know, all different sectors of black YouTube, whether it's the pro-black sector, the manosphere, the woman's sectors, uh, pink pill, got business. Okay. From a therapist, a therapist perspective, you should call it BLT with therapy perspective. Stuff like that, the dating, the blackmail, uh, travel types, you know, travel. You know, I'm, I'm going to go into all of that stuff, man. I, I, that's what I, I, I'm going to do on that channel. I'm, I'm debating on, uh, as we speak, just how I'm going to create my uh, concepts and, and talking points and the areas I'm going to focus on, and particularly the, the dating community. The, the dating coach communities and and, and so on. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm. I, I want to do that. I, I may have. I'm I'm going to try to do about uh, maybe eight to ten uploads a week. You know, to kind of see what the the eight to ten uploads a week I think would be pretty good. Just kind of. Chopping it up between five to ten, 10 minutes of uh, of videos. I'm gonna basically play a video, give a response, and then people can say whatever, uh, things like that. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at doing. I had a Pan African channel that I did about eight videos. It it didn't do that well. Um, I didn't do a lot of content on it, but I kind of was like, nah, I'm already kind of doing pro black stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking about letting that channel go. I may I may just rebrand it or, or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I got I got that channel that I have. So I'm, I'm gonna see about you know whether or not I want to continue doing that. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at, chaos. You know, um, mm-hmm. looking at how I'm going to curtail my content from this point on. Uh, you know, to provide whatever I, you know, my entertainment, same type of education to people who follow me, man. Um, a lot of people tell me, man, like, you know, even like some of the guys, like, man, you, you think the content's overrated, you should have a bigger channel. You know, I hear that a lot from a lot of different guys because of people that I've been affiliated with, exposure I've got. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of exposure. You know, I can't, I, and some stuff I didn't take advantage of. I've been on the Rumbles a lot. I, I had, I've been on the Rumbles for at least a year, over a year. Uh, I had major exposure on the Rumbles. Uh, I um, was was on some other guys, some of the hip, the bigger guys in, on, in the ministry. I've been on that channel. I had some well-documented beats. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
you know, good and bad. I've, I've kind of, you know, uh, but, you know, one of the biggest things that kind of helped my platform was when I debated on Prophet of Thought series back in, uh, during the COVID, during COVID, the early parts of COVID. That, to me, was, was real, was, was a lot, was, a, was very valuable um, um, exposure that I got, man, because um, I, there were a lot of people wanting to debate me. Uh, when I first get started, I had to face it. Uh, it was fantastic. And I lost. Yeah. I really won, but I, I lost. But I, I won, but I lost. Because even though I lost, all of the super chats that people were paying was to ask me questions. So they were looking for you know, people that they have to so they make it for better here. So, and then I ended up doing another another uh i did another debate i did a debate on that wednesday and i did another debate on the saturday and that was unheard of man and it actually made a lot of people that i was getting that kind of time because it's very rare they, they said that was the first time that ever happened where somebody somebody debated within within the same week and then that debate was pretty good again I made brother brother make a lot of money that night against brother Baba Kumeyamana with the SYSDM stuff. Yeah, I remember that fool. Yeah, man, people were, 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 were sending me emails. Really, it was after that when where uh, man SYSDM we were they were coming to my channel, flocking in, yeah, trolling, and uh, me and MOT was going at it respectfully, and, and being a. Uh, uh, SKC had our little issues respectfully, and then you had some of these other guys coming in saying crazy stuff. And before you know it, I was <laughs> I was going at it with like eight different people. I thought it was fun, man. I, some people took it a little serious than what I felt they should have. I didn't take anything serious. I, I just had certain talking points uh, that um, I felt that you know I, I was stern on, and, and and I you know felt like a lot of the stuff they were doing was a little bit disingenuous and some of the statistical stuff was, was really the, the issues that I had. And some of the statistical stuff that they were saying that was not true, it was misleading and it was it was on the line of, of miseducating uh, black men. So uh, that was the position that I, 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 I um, fostered um, in my interaction with them. But it was really fun, man. Like, uh, I didn't really take it that serious, but they, they took it way more serious than I did. And I would say probably from April to about July, man, it was, I had a hectic YouTube schedule. And at the time, my business was closed. Well, not closed, but it was, it was, uh, suspended. Capacity because of COVID, we were forced to close down for about two months. So, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was closed for two months. All I was able to do was virtual therapy. Uh, my office in Dallas, uh, man, uh, we, we, we basically, revenue was, was, you know, revenue went down like by 90%. Mm. Uh, Damn. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was some, I, I had some, you know, I, I, I had some tough, it wasn't tough times because at the same time, the revenue went down, my liability went down too. I was forced to let go of like, over 70% of my work staff, uh, 
you know, and so on. So I had to make some decisions. I'm fortunate. A lot of people had to to uh, draw unemployment contractors. Out. Some of them I was able to keep. Um, and I started a Spaghetti's house during that time. And I kind of was hesitant about doing it because I wasn't able to go to different hospitals and markets. So I had a lot of things I had to, to balance during that time. And unfortunately, I was working from home, and during that time, uh, limiting on what I was doing, I was on YouTube. <laughs> so, and uh, I was on YouTube a lot. It, that was probably the most, I'm going to say from April to probably around um, October, around, around September, October, I was on YouTube a lot. Uh, more than what I usually would be on, you know. So, uh, and uh, I, I would get up in the morning, you know, do work, watch, listen to YouTube. I may log in, and uh, you would find me on BMT channel a lot. Find me uh, towards the fall. I start getting on Red the Bad Guy. Start interacting with him a lot, you know. Uh, now then, O'Shea kind of reduced some things, but he would actually do the Hall of, the Hall of Games. And uh, I would go there and do some things, and you know, I would jump on some other panels and do some stuff. And um, some of the women that I was interacting with, then you know, I got with BMT. We talking about the Black Talent Network stuff, and you know, it was it was a ton of things, man, that I was involved. With. It took a lot of time. Um, and then probably around July, I was like, okay, we want to start back. Oh, we're gonna have to open up again. You know, so we opened up again in July, and uh, I had to reduce some things, but I was still on there a lot, uh, and, you know, I was just operating my content, doing what I was doing, and uh, things kind of went the way they went. I was monetized. I was I was drawing nice little checks every month. Uh, you know, YouTube picked that little percentage, but I was actually shocked by the fact that me, because I, I never really used my cash app. I only did the monster the the, the 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 super chat and so when I went to the, the full time I went back into the Umar sector in 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 August and then I I decided to go there full fledged in, in, in October I mean I actually made more money just from getting cash out you know so that's uh, kind of what I was doing so you know it's kind of where I'm at you know um, I'm actually good at you know as far as um, the entertainment value I get from YouTube, educational stuff. Um, there are some major content that I'm going to be releasing the next couple of weeks that I'm, I'm uh, looking at. Um, I will be debunking a particular person that we talked about offline, uh, and I got the videos and you know you, I got some materials from you and some other people that I'm looking at. Uh, understand that there's a, a major disruption if, if Pink Peel is still existing. Uh, I don't know where that's at, and some of the other content creators that are in the divestment stuff. I'm definitely, definitely going to be focusing on that. Uh, that's going to be a big part of what I'm going to be doing uh, on the Rebirth channel. If I talk about it on my therapeutic channel, it's going to be more from it's not going to, it's not, it's going to be strictly about the, the topic, not necessarily attacking the content creator. So it won't be any ad hominem attacks. <laughs> It'll be strictly on the topic. So um, that's that's kind of where I'm at, chaos. You know, I, I'm 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 good with where I'm at. I, I, I'm hoping that my Life Solutions channel grows 
because that's where I want to be. That that's going to be my primary channel. That's the channel that I want to 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 to, to build back to what I did earlier. You know, I want to get get back to you know getting thousands of subscribers. You know, uh, you know, I pretty much do on average now about anywhere between forty to seventy. You was on a live stream. I, I've gotten to the hundred. Depending on what the topic is in the Umar sector, so I, I can I can do decent numbers. So I just just have to slowly continue to build. You know, so. Okay. 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 Let me take a little pause and break for a second. Um, let me check the end. I guess somebody said the volume is low. Let me see. No, I'm trying to figure out. My volume low. No, huh? I'm checking. Well, you see, I'm calling you from my my computer. Because you you say you can you cannot call from free conference. Um, let me look at them, read the comments. Um, um, all right. Well, no one else is complaining, so we'll have to continue. Unfortunately, um, guys, guys, um, because y'all know with the free conference, there's somewhat of an issue. But I'm not going to that now because I really want to touch the topic at hand. Let me refresh this. Okay. Perfect. So now, this is good. It's good. So now on the subject at hand, so domestic abuse. What is it, and what is its definitions that we are not clear understanding as, as a people or just generally when the word domestic violence comes to mind? Go ahead. Okay. So on, on the topic of domestic violence, and before I kind of uh, you know. To be into expressing from a clinical standpoint of domestic violence, but you ought to understand that um, I am a, a professional therapist in which I have um, treated these type of issues for the last 15, 16 years, um, particularly working in, in getting referrals in government agencies. This year, um, I just want to preface that this year I made a concerted effort to, to to make this more of a specialty in my existence where I have completed well over 40 hours of training strictly on domestic violence, and I'm also in the process of, of getting an accreditation to create this program within my company so that I can provide services and contract with various government agencies uh, in a program that we call BIP, which is a behavioral intervention for uh, a battering intervention prevention program that, that basically focuses on domestic violence relationships between men and women. Um, domestic violence is basically defined in a situation in which that is a perpetrator and a victim in which, and it doesn't matter whether it is male or female because a male or female can uh, inflict domestic violence on the opposite sex. And in that process, um, the perpetrator is basically using control and manipulation uh, and the issues of, of controlling and having power over someone in which they are physically uh, psychologically, emotionally, sexually, and verbally abusing someone, whether it's all the things that I talked about, a mixture, or all of the above. 
Um, domestic violence usually is not just relegated to one of the things that I listed. When people primarily think of domestic violence, they assume we're physically, we're basically talking about physical, which is to me the, the most severe as because you're causing or you're inflicting harm on someone. In most of the cases, as we look at domestic violence, we're looking at it from a perspective as a, as a, as a culture, we look at it as a, as a sense of a man causing abuse to a female, which in most cases, statistically, that is the case. However, in the last 10, 15 years, there is a rise in, in, in women uh, doing the same to men. Also, the fact that there is a, a huge influx of, of women in same-sex relationships in which a female is is inflicting abuse, physical abuse, into another woman. So I, I want everyone that is listening to, to as we talk about this, um, we have to look at all aspects of the type of relationships and alternative relationships and not just relegate and fall into this, this stereotypical or generalized um, perspective of thinking it's just merely a man inflicting uh, his power on a woman. Even though... Uh, this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to take a moment, pause. Um, I'm probably going to call you on your cell phone. Just correct the volume because some people say that they cannot hear. I can hear a little low. So let me call you from my phone right now. So people, we're going to take a one to two minute break. We'll be right back. Thank you for the like um, intervention. This should clear the volume now. Can you say something now, d Yes. All right. This, this this should probably hear you better now. All right. Continue on. If anything else, I'll let you know. Continue on. Okay. So so as we talk about and to the audience that that's listening, I want I want us to as as I talk and have these discussions, I want us to look at 
the full scale of what domestic violence is as we talk about the concept of the perpetrator and the victim and understand it's not just relegated to a, a, a male-female perspective. We also, I also look at it from the perspective of alternative lifestyles and the fact that there are females who also can be viewed as a perpetrator towards males. And to me, uh, one of the biggest things is that I know you can, you can look at the fact that um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of domestic violence that goes unreported. There is a large percentage. I'm going to say probably more than 95% of male, female to male domestic violence is underreported. It's, that's probably the largest most because men look, you know, are affected particularly from a psychological standpoint of not feeling masculine or, or, or in, a, in, a, in a sense due to allowing a female to hit them or abuse them in a sense and feel that it's not manly for them to contact the authorities or anyone for the fact that this occurs. Um, and so uh, even though by and large, is, you know, statistically you're going to see more men uh, functioning in this manner towards women. So uh, what, what I plan to do is kind of talk to you about just my training in it, the intervention, um, how it's viewed in the black community, uh, because there's a dynamic. The dynamics in the black community, although it's similar to other groups of people, there are things that are a bit different in regards to how we perceive domestic violence and why, why we historically look at it a certain way because of our experience as a people and the fact that of, as far as how when we do report things to, to, to the authorities, uh, they perceive us in a different manner. So uh, I'm looking forward to having this, you know, discussion and kind of wanting you all to kind of, you know, bear with me on and, and kind of, you know, understanding in full scale of how the black community views domestic violence and some of the fallacies and, and uh, miseducation on that and how it can be prop, uh, properly minimized um, as far as these occurrences um, happening. Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, when we look at domestic violence, through the data that's been presented now, and I'm not sure if the data has grown or it started to climb the last, let's say, mm, let's say 30 years. As when we look at domestic violence, is it more in relation in regards to relationships on man and woman? the most, meaning that these are only found when there is a couple in relationships Relationships where you find the most that there is an abuser from either the man or woman's side. So the question we ask, is it mostly found when they collect data, it's only found that the violence is more dealing with couples in short-term or long-term relationships? Okay. So... What we have to understand when you look at uh, particularly the agency that I get most of my, obtain most of my data from is two. Um, I look at the Texas um, um, Coalition of Family Violence. Is to me, the, the, in the state of Texas, that's like the, 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 the agency that is at the forefront of information on domestic violence and training as far as facilitators to combat these issues and, and to prevent these issues, 
And I also, for those that want more information, I also would encourage you to look at the National Association of the Domestic Violence, which is the NADV. Um, there's also um, um, other agencies um, throughout the country that, that focus on this. Um, those are the, the agencies that I, I, I would tell you to kind of look at. Um, that's also um, such as um, any counseling or psychology-related organization will have data on this in which it focuses on the fact that most of the reported data, and I want to say the key word reported, most of the reported data is going to show the occurrence of a male inflicting his dominance on a female. That, and, that, and, and that's reported. Now, because as I stated earlier, um, the small percentage of men that do experience domestic violence they over ninety percent of those men are not going to 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 report it. So you're gonna you probably have less than ten percent that are going to report that. So the overwhelming majority of the information will be men inflicting physical violence on women. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Now, why is it that men overall, especially here in the West? In America, cause when we could focus on where we're at in the soil, they just don't report any domestic abuse from their counterpart, especially when it deals with the woman, because there is there is information and not much data to show proof that women cannot be the aggressors in domestic violence. Why so? Well, women can be the, the aggressor. <laughs> they they have been the aggressor. Uh, um, and then again, I, like, like I've stated, there are two phenomenons that have occurred. One of the biggest influx of women being aggressors is to other women that are in same-sex relationships. Also, we look at the fact that there are a lot of women who, in the fact of being physically abusive, they're probably verbally and psychologically um, abusive. And a lot of men who are raised in the notion of you're not supposed to hit women. And there are women who take advantage of the fact that they know men have that value system, that no matter what a woman does, you're not supposed to hit them. And I think that I'm not saying that that's not an appropriate way to raise young boys and raise men. I also think that you have to take in the context that just because you don't allow, you're not supposed to hit a woman back, doesn't mean you're not supposed to take measures to protect yourself from being physically abused. And I think that a lot of men who allow women to abuse them have a difficult time differentiating between the fine line between you protecting yourself because your life is at risk and so on as opposed to, you know, you – not um, allowing someone to just recklessly harm you without any recourse. And I think there are a lot of men who will allow a woman to slap or hit them, and they won't, they will not call the, because number one, and also I also want to keep in mind, just because the, the actual, um, the, the, the actual pain level, 
or the the actual um, punch or hit or whatever does not maybe hurt or cause pain in comparison to what a man would do if they were to strike you doesn't mean that it should not be reported. And that's, again, that's how men perceive it. Because there's a lot of situations the men don't don't feel threatened by the the slap. So they don't feel threatened by being hit or scratched. They just look at it like, oh, she just did it. It was no big deal. It wasn't painful. I can shake it off. But if that is being repetitively uh, done, that can be problematic in a relationship. So um, – I just think that it, it has a lot to do culturally as far as how men perceive women being aggressive like that and being taught not under any circumstances you should uh, hit a woman. And, again, I'm going to say there's a fine line between not wanting to hit a woman versus you taking measures to protect yourself. And there are there's a percentage of women who um, – Engage in that behavior, take advantage of knowing that this is how this person um, kind of looks at that situation and behaves in that certain way because they know that there's no threat of him uh, retaliating in, in an aggressive manner. So that to me, it's very toxic and it's very manipulative. And whether you're a man or woman, the aggressors usually attempt to take advantage of that. You know, you said the word toxic, and I know if you hear and you counsel enough women around your um your uh, what do you call it your um your clinic or agency, your AC, you could tell right off the bat that some women, right, they want men or not, they love a toxicity. Matter of fact, most of their relationships, if you pinpoint the derail, it's always dealing with some form of toxicity. Where if the man doesn't do nothing to her, she feels it's not no form of love. And to me, that's mental illness. Because right. majority of brothers out here, they're not really feel cool or what's, what's the word? They're not really comfortable wanting to put their hands on the opposite sex. Maybe you know, in the bedroom, maybe some sexual, maybe a spanking and stuff. But in regards to like domestic abuse and, you know, cap, corporal punishment, what do you want to call these things? Men are not in the business of just physically harming women. And I find most women try to bring this as a pedestal, especially when we're dealing with our community alone, that black male are the biggest aggressors in domestic abuse. And that is not the case. That is not even true. Nowhere even close. You get me? Right. So when you paint this picture of the big, bad, boogie black male brute, that he's going to sit there, abuse you like the movies, like Color Purple, all these films that program you that this man is an aggressor. He's going, if you don't do what he says, he's going to abuse you. He's going to be Mr. And mind you, I never watched the Color Purple. The reason I mentioned this movie because I know this is a thing that a lot of Negroes go back and mention, including The Handmaiden's Tale, which I'm not sure if that's a movie or a TV series on some special TV outlet. And I'm thinking... We do not live in those days where you, you ladies that live in America are really getting abuse like that, like that, like that, like that. You get me? There's too many things put in place to protect you from that. And they, they really, really want to get the man for, for any reason. Because the whole premise of jail and institutions 
that lock up people is to get the free labor. And men are the better prefer labor in these free um, debtor prisons. So if you say you call police on anything, the police will come to the house, put handcuffs on your boyfriend, husband, whatever, and most likely you you cannot go to the police counter and say, release them. They kind of stopped doing that for some time now. One time, maybe a decade or two, maybe three, you could do that, but now they stopped doing it. And ladies, I understand why is the state stopped doing it because it's much more profitable to lock up this man. And most likely they more want someone that is a blacker man in there. So if you think that you're controlling the male population, especially this black man, you are sadly mistaken. Matthew, you shoot yourself in the foot, especially complaining about there are more males in jail than there are in college. I hate these stupid complaints and stupid excuses that say, oh, where are the good men at? The men are in jail. I say, okay, are they there by their own fruition, or you're doing something to make them put them in jail? It's one or the other. And I don't want this to be a sexist thing, but we have to really look deeply. That is over almost 48 million Americans, black America, black people in America. 20 out of 20, there's probably, we all know there's two more black women than black men. So let's say black men is like 22 and let's say black women is like 23, 24. There's more numbers. There's going to be an extra 2 million. You get me? Right. And if you're complaining about there's no pool of men available for you, you always got to put in mind, make sure you're not causing why these males are going to jail. You get me? And if this is the biggest issue that domestic abuse, what I'm hearing now from, you know, the petitions and all this stuff, this is not really focused on domestic abuse as a whole. It's only focused on a, a certain demographic of people. You ever notice that? That's correct. So you're not so serious of stopping domestic abuse because if you're in another relationship that's not a part of this culture, not race people, you damn sure not going to be calling no domestic abuse on these other groups of men. Oh, no, you ain't going to attempt it. And there are some women that have. But I'm telling you right now, the reason why they will not do it in mass numbers, either of their any switch, because they know that there's nothing going to be done to them. Look at Chad Wheeler. And this man there was a football player. I, I believe, this is me, he would have got a slap in the wrist. He might do some little, he'll get a fine, and that's it. You get me? Right. The reason why they're not talking about the man now is because he's a football player that they said he might not play again. I disagree. If he's a good, real, solid lineman, he will be playing in the NFL very soon. And let's be honest. I hear no talks about this woman, the woman that got seriously almost beaten to death, putting real a push to get this man in the jail. Have you? Right. So it seemed to me, when it comes to black man, black woman, the sisters want to control the black man. And they're going to use this so-called Mr. Charlie, the zaddy, whatever you want to call him, to do it, to put fear in this black man and say, I'm going to call the man. And I'm going to tell black men, stop being afraid of this man, because they, they use this as a crutch to try to fear your scapegoat. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. Because if, they, if, if there's no safety net, she should not be comfortably calling anybody. Because think about it. When it comes to our communities, the last we want involvement is white people in our business. Last my check. I could be wrong. 
And, you know, black people don't want white people in their business. You get me, Deidre? Right. So moving on. Oh, and the call number for tonight's show, for those who want to listen and, and raise their hand, is 712-770-4160. The access code is 917-324-POUND. I repeat, 712-770-4160. Access code 917-324-POUND. Tonight's subject, Chaos Wayne presents Domestic Abuse and Remedies and Solutions with Dieterell. Now, in regards to the, the domestic abuse side of things, is it more inclined that when we talk about domestic abuse, for a man to go out his way and commit domestic abuse on his or her partner, is it more based on frustration of control or something that's really dealing with the financial aspects of the household? And that's just like a um, curveball thrown at you. See what you want to answer in that question. So, so, so when we look at the, the onset of any type of domestic violence, um, there are a variety of reasons that one would inflict physical violence upon another. In most situations, um, the domestic violence is a reaction to being irritable or frustrated on the inability to communicate or cope effectively to whatever psychosocial stresses that a relationship is experiencing. Many domestic violence abusers respond in this manner because they grew up in a culture in which they grew up in, whether it was through their their, uh, mother or their their parents, they, they actually witnessed this type of behavior and through witnessing that this type of behavior, they they modeled it once they became older. That's that's usually the primary. Most most domestic violence abusers saw their 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 parents, whether it's their dad or mother or both, uh, interacting in this manner. So they think that um, functioning in this way is, is is a part of what a relationship is. But what I can say that when it comes to finances, finances can be a major reason that a guy could be frustrated and because of his his inability to find solutions or to improve his situation, and particularly if there's miscommunication between him and his partner about the finances and an inability to to find a solution to improve it, um, there are men who would, out of frustration, act out in this way because they have no other means of, of resolving the issue. So I do think a financial stressor can be a influential variable in causing a man to hit a woman, particularly if you're in a marriage or you're living together. Um, out of frustration, knowing that, hey, we're about to get foreclosure on, I lost my job, he's saying, what are we going to do, the kids need this, you know, uh, we don't have this, that, you know, the constant of that, knowing how to work it out, it could trigger some men who are unable to manage their emotions, they would result in acting in that manner. 
So that 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 is something that does happen um, in, in, in a lot of cases. Financial stressors can produce an environment, a hostile environment, in which one may act out in that manner. So I, I do think that that can happen a lot, but in most situations, most people who engage in domestic violence usually grew up in environments in where they saw and witnessed domestic violence. All right, excellent, excellent, excellent. Now for the ladies' side of things, what would compile a woman of any age to, let's say, I guess, commit domestic abuse to a male partner? Because we already know, we always hear side what would cause a male to do it, but what would cause a woman to be the uh, um, aggressor or doing the domestic abuse to the male? That doesn't okay. want to report it. So, so when, when we look at domestic violence and when we, we, we look at um, the issues of what, contri- what, what women, how women contribute to these type of behaviors, we have to understand that women who contribute to these behaviors probably are not privy or not necessarily aware of what a the proper interaction between a man and a woman is supposed to look like. They probably grew up in a home in which, because it was under a matriarchal system, they seen their mother as an aggressor. They seen their mother as a, as a sense in an, an aggressive masculine sense. And they don't understand that um, and, and, and so forth. And they, due to that, they're, they're modeling, again, behaviors that they were um, – that they were exposed to and think that it's appropriate to treat a man based on what they have seen. I want you to understand that this, when, when people engage in this, and particularly when women engage in it, this is not an innate behavior. This is a, this is a learned behavior. This is a learned behavior, and it's also an impulsive behavior. Um, a learned behavior meaning that it's environmentally influenced. Impulsive behavior meaning that Socially, you, you don't have the proper tools to know how to interact with men, and this and thus you act out physically, with the understanding that you don't think this man is going to hit you back. Because a woman that thinks a man is going to hit them back is probably interacting with a man that she knows shows some level of violence, and thus she won't try to to even, you know, try him in that in that sense. There are some women who have a tendency to disrespect men and think of men in a, um inferior sense who think that they have they're entitled to 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 slap or push or hit him, and he's supposed to accept that and so for many instances, women who do that to me in many sense have anger management issues they have impulse related issues. And the fact that they probably grew up in an environment where they saw women being abusive to men, whether it was ver- verbally or physically, and so on. So again, it, it, there are some social social aspects of it, as as well as um, psychological aspects, as it relates to how they view men. Okay, because less aggressive women. Are not are not going to even 
fathom the fact that I should slap or hit him because he didn't do what I wanted. Only women who are in, in, in a very aggressive manner who have a history of being violent, who have a history of being impulsive, who have a history of thinking that they are supposed to be in that leadership role as far as running things are going to, to, to take that risk of, of hitting a man. So, so, so we we have to look at that now. Majority of women, unfortunately, because in the training, I'm gonna say this: in my training, I had some issues in re, in regards to some of the models because in a lot of the trainings, when you, when you, when men when people have to go to domestic violence classes and so forth, it's it's more tailored towards helping men. There are very few models that are geared towards um, focusing on the female being the aggressor. So that, that needs so in our essence there is a overwhelming slant to tailor domestic violence to treat men because the percentage the overwhelming majority of those cases that are being reported again I say the key word reported is usually going to be men causing harm to, to women but I think that just as we talk about with females who experience sexual abuse or rape, unwilling to report. I think we have to utilize the same aspects, utilize the same strategies to encouraging men who encounter domestic violence to report. One of the biggest talking points in the manosphere is that the fact that in our country there are thousands of um, domestic violence organizations and treatment centers for women as far as those type of agencies and housing and so forth, and there are only two for men in the whole country. The reason why that's the case is because the the lack of reporting. It's not economically, uh, uh, it doesn't economically make sense because the lack of reporting. If more men reported, there will be more institutions that can shelter men that go through these issues. So it, that so that, that there's a um statistical basis and an economic basis for why it's overly I'm not gonna say saturated, but it it's it's uneven in in the amount of organizations that help men and women who are battered. So Either way, you, you tell me that if more of the men in the society start reporting their significant loved one to the authorities and have it on record, then it's going to make the system, and not only one state, but every state where politicians are looking at the data or whoever is in office, going to start examining, saying, now we're going to step in. There's too much reports of you ladies, not only verbally abusing the man, but also putting your hands on it. This man's not doing nothing. We might have to step in now and come with policy to start control that. Correct? That's correct. And, and I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you the process of how that can happen. See, this is this is this is what's going to happen. Let's say um, a man um, is abused by his his the female he's with, and 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 she is uh, he calls the police and he presses charges. What it's going to show first from a criminal justice standpoint 
is that there are a lot of women who are going to court who are going to be charged with simple assault, okay? And a lot of these women are either going to be put on probation, short-term probation. Some may be put on felony probation, particularly if they use a weapon or if they cause medical harm that needed medical attention. And so that data is going to show that um, from from a criminal standpoint, in order for them to satisfy their probations, they're going to be required to do three to six months or more of, 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 of psychoeducational classes such as BIP to, 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 to basically learn to behave better. They're going to be told to go to counseling. So they're going to track how this is affecting and costing the system money. Okay? And in that, people who look at that data is going to see, they're going to see a financial opportunity. And that financial opportunity is that if we see an influx of, let's say, 15 to 20% more women than usual committing this type of crime, uh, this type of, uh, you know, know, crime towards men, then we're going to have to provide facilities in order to correct that. And that's where it starts. You know, they, they, they look at the, every, every um, government agency or anything in regards to violence or, or in mental health, it has a statistical basis first before they, before they create um, government policy and government agencies to correct those issues. Thus, Instead of it only having two in the whole country, it could jump to 10, 15, 20, or you have one in every state. But, again, unless men report, it's not, it's not going to happen. And the reason why it's only two is not because of feminism. It's because of the lack of men reporting. The more you report, the more attention it's going to get, the more they're going to see government resources being invested in those areas. Thus, they're going to create institutions and, and agencies to, to treat it. And that's how that works with that. That's how that works with any phenomenon. Any social problem is going to be studied. It's, it's going to be they're going to be studies and research, and and they're going to they're going to look at those studies and research. They're going to look at the outcomes. They're going to look at the statistics. And then based on the statistics and the variables that are being assessed and evaluated as far as the causes, they're going to, they're going to problem solve for solutions, and then they're going to do a cost analysis of, of, of how, how much they should invest, the government should invest, or other agencies should invest in alleviating these issues. That's why you see so many domestic – that's why there are thousands. I think it's about 1,500 for women, and they're all of different sizes and, and, and so forth. That you know, they have different um, uh, group shelters and groups and things like that that are very small. And you got those that are large, you know. And the the reason for that is based on the need. Is there a need to substantiate these this amount of institutions towards domestic violence? So if, if you don't report, they can't account for the need. 
So unless black men report more, then there will be more help to there will be there will be more of a um, stance. There will be more of a need to hold women accountable, and that's the foundation of it. We 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 cannot hold women accountable if you don't report. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, fellas. So, like I said, if you really want to stop pressure in the system in regards to domestic abuse and make it even on both playing fields, you're going to have to chuck one up for the team. You're going to have to call the police on that. I mean, on that woman. Sorry. <laughs> you have, you have, anytime she feels she's going to throw hot grits at you and you get burned, you, you sit there, chuck it up, Grab your cell phone, you dial now on it, and you call police to have her ass get locked up on any reason. Right? She throws pans at you, try and strike you with a knife, throw hot water, hot grits. You know, you're from the South, um, Deidre. You heard stories of old grandma or something. We used to take some hot I mean, domestic violence that has happened. You know one of the main domestic violence occurrences that never go reported? In the midst of a, of a, a female finding out that a man – uh, cheated on them, and they hit and slap him and so forth based on that reaction. That's a domestic violence situation. That, that, we, that we actually laugh at. And I'm going to be honest with you. In, this, in our community, when we see females do that in public, there are a lot of men that laugh and women laugh or look at it like it's nothing. That is a domestic violence. Now, let's just say if a man punched and kicked a woman found out that 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 she cheated then all of a sudden oh and i understand the fact that as men we can physically impose but we cannot if you want to resolve this issue we cannot make it culturally appropriate i mean culturally um okay or legitimate for females to, to respond in violence in adverse situations no one should put their hands on anybody regardless of what they've done. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, and this is and this is one thing I think when when the authorities get involved in a domestic violence situation, if a female has been reported, they are you're not gonna see these cops trying to change the mind of the victim, the male. They're going to arrest a female just as well as they're going to arrest a male, okay? I just want people to understand, see, that there's this narrative that, oh, they're just going to take the females. No, they're not. No, they don't. If if you can verbally say that, yeah, she hit me, and there's a bruise that's showing that she did this and she's aggressive, they are going to arrest her without thinking twice about it. So this narrative about the police being more on this, that's a lie. They're not. If you both hit each other, you're both probably going to get arrested. That's facts. Yeah, that's real facts. That's real facts. And one thing I will say this first thing that people are not understanding, hold on, is now I think North Carolina is one of them. They just don't lock. You as a male, if you're found to commit domestic abuse to your girlfriend or wife, if she is involved or you 
and her are hitting each other, and there's cars on both of y'all, whatever case may be, the police going to lock both of y'all. And that's a fair exchange because let's be honest. Like I said earlier in the broadcast, back then, if your father did something to your mother or, you know, your wife and the police locks you up, most likely depending on the day you get locked up and it's over the weekend, like a Friday or something, they'll have to come in the next the Monday to un to, to remove the charges. You can't do that no more. So now that they you going both of y'all will be locked at the same time, it's not a good look for both of y'all. Especially women saying you don't want that as a charge. Especially the man. You know, that you found that you, you had this on your record. Domestic abuse. You know. Right. But but like I said, a lot of men don't report it, you know. And they need to start doing it because Let's be fair and honestly, um, ladies and gentlemen, women are going to have no choice to, but mind their their reactions, their emotions. They're going to keep that very much really controlled. And let's be fair and honest, Idrell. When it comes to women, women know when to behave when they're working for that man in work. Period. So don't don't give me the excuse that you can't control. Yes, you could. Is just that who you deal with? If it was some other race man, you would not be behaving the way you are with this black man, and that's just an honest fact. So if a black man has to now change his direction how he deals with you, and said putting his hands on you, then he's going to have to take this alternate route. And I'm a man. I'm not proposing that we should be putting our hands at each other. Period. When we had to go to that level, that's a low level of of less of resolving problems. Is low-level thinking, it's animalistic, it's behaviors that is not humanly um, respectable as a human being, where you have to resort to violence to solve your problems, especially small problems. So when women do it and men do it at the same time, is you're not getting nothing better at the end of the deal. You're just going to create more problems and dysfunction. And God knows we are true witnessing both of y'all striking each other. It's not a good look because they think that's how they should solve their problems, boys and girls especially. Because children learn from what they see. They don't go by what you say. They always watch, visually see it. That's the power of media, television. They teach you how to behave, how to conduct yourself, how the world works. They visually see it. So you're not no exempt of doing this very much disgusting behavior towards each other which leads to physical violence towards each other in front of your children. Your children are going to learn this, they're going to imitate, and they're going to do it on their own, um, you know, spouses. It is what it is. So, yeah. Let me get a call number one more time. The call number, again, is 712-770-4160. The access code is 917-324-POUND. I repeat, 712-770-4160. Access code 917-324-POUND. Tonight's subject, Chaos Rain presents Domestic Abuse, Remedies, and Solutions. Now, I'm probably going to go to the solution section and um, give to you a few minutes and no one calls. That's it. So, like I said, um, before we go to the remedy part of this show and the solution part, have you heard of a certain um, – it's a little bit off topic, but I want to get your take on this. There, it was found that there was a Caucasoid man committed um, some shootings in a school or somewhere in Portland. I think it's in Portland. 
And he was found, and he is like an incel. You heard about this, um, Dieter? Yeah, I did hear something about it. Um, uh, vaguely, not in detail. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I mention it, because when we talk about behaviors, like certain male aggression, right, it goes back, there's something more deep psychologically wrong with people, not just this young man that did the crime, but just in general, that this is awkwardness. This is weirdness to find that you have to solve your problems because you couldn't get what you want, that you go the means of serious capital punishment, real aggressive violence where you take people's lives because you cannot get exception, no love, either getting some punani or nothing. No. And did we ever cover this thing about incel behavior, um, Dito, from a clinical perspective? Because I know yes. we did have data on yeah, this, they have talked about this. Yeah, go ahead. Can you say something? Go ahead. No, I was saying that we, I have talked about incels before. Yeah. And I'm not saying that people think that this is a rise, but I only see this more when it comes to certain racial groups of people because, like I said before, we live in a society that does not display reward and punishment, especially real punishment for actions like this, you know. And I'm not saying that these dudes that where the awkward not chose to go this direction, but it goes back when someone has to go out the way to go physically there to hurt people and women. That's a cry for help. You get me? A serious cry for help. And I said repeated times that when we deal with mental illness, there is a market that needs to be filled up. And I think why it's not being filled up enough, because like you said, DDL, in this podcast, it has to be enough where the system has to take the same capital that they spent yearly to put into certain communities, certain cities, to provide the service. The money's going to come from thin air. People are not going to sit there, pull out their wallet to pay for a session just to hear and deal with their mental issues. The state has to come back and fund and back this up. You hear me? Effectively. Yes. And I think the reason why the state doesn't take the time to do it because they feel in their mind that it's not an expense to look into. And I think they're very selfish because, let's be honest, if someone goes out and kills three, five women and probably males, they're already showing you that they don't give a crap. They say as long as it's not hurting the infrastructure, you can go ahead and commit your criminality. I think that's very low, very low. But that's me, that's me. By the way, let me look at the board, see my way for him. All right. Let me check if anybody has any comments. I'm not going to be on here that long. Can't hear him. Oh, yeah. yeah this guy's a troll now. And I'm not going to read the comments in the chat room. It's crazy. Anyway, now for the remedies and solutions. Wait, wait. Before we go to remedies and solutions, um, Mark, one biggest question to ask. In relationships, dealing with the male side of things, are there ways for women to spot what we call an abuser? That was like a domestic that, that like a domestic abuse. Can it can it easily be is there signs or things that can be clear 
I won't be yes. paying attention. All right. Yeah, the, there are some telltale signs that can be um, pointed out and women can be made aware of um, as it relates to a uh, domestic violence abuser. And that sounds, actually, it sounds like a, some, you just gave me an idea. Maybe I need to do some content on that to kind of point out certain characteristics that abusers um, demonstrate that women are not aware of and they misinterpret that as love. They misinterpret it as a person cares. One of the first things you, you can look at um, when you, if you're trying to figure out if a person is an abuser or, or abusive and so forth, um, one of the first things you're going to look at is that a person who acts like that has a tendency to say all the right things, can be very agreeable to the point where you're trying to figure out, you know, what, what's wrong. You know, no, when you notice somebody is saying all the right things, and a lot of times abusers do this to lure you in, to get you emotionally vested. So you have to be cognizant. I'm not saying that there are guys who do this and they're not genuine, but a lot of domestic violence are very good from a verbal standpoint in getting you to buy in that they to be comfortable and feel safe with them. And they have a tendency of being very tactful in uh, gaining your trust, saying all the right things, doing all the perfect things, everything you want and would dream, they, you know, without any mistakes. A lot of women get drawn to that and thinking that this person really cares for them, but what he's really trying to do is get you emotionally invested so that he can control you and use what he's doing against you to manipulate you into giving him control of you and what you do. Another thing you may notice is that if a guy, and this is something that some women, again, they they think this is the person's end of you giving you this attention. If a guy's um, emphatically contacting you, whether text or a phone call, you know, uh, you know, now excessive can be subject subjective. Well, I know a lot of women like attention, but if someone is calling you every hour, that is a telltale sign. If somebody's texting you constantly, awkward times of the night and so forth, you just spoke to them 10 minutes ago, they're calling you again 30 minutes, just talking and, and just – a lot of women – there are some women who actually love that. They like that attention. If he's doing this, he must be really – no, he's not. He's really trying to um, – get you to buy into him so that he can control you. That attention is not the fact that he is showing you attention to benefit and make you feel good. It's actually it's, it's a um, symptom of his own insecurities as it relates to thinking that you may be with somebody else or he has to do that in order to keep you interested. It actually speaks to his insecurities, not necessarily that he cares about you. Another thing you may look at is that in your conversation, a lot of women may overlook the fact that, you know, a lot, I know that when you meet people, you don't necessarily go too deep into their family history. But I do think that one of the things that if, if, a, if a guy openly talks about being a victim of abuse by his parents or being abused, 
I think that should be something you should be highly aware of because people who witness and see that type of behavior, and I know this is not a popular question that people are going to ask, particularly on a first or second date, but I do think that if it, it, I think that you should ask those questions, and if a person openly discusses that this has happened to him, that may be a telltale sign that this may be an abusive person. Also, you want to be aware of that uh, people who are abusive, again, may do things such as giving you uh, uh, luxury items and, and, and different things like over the above, over and above gifts and so forth that don't warrant the time that you have spent with them. These are all signs of manipulation, okay? Also, you would like to look at the fact that Guys may want to push the issue as far as having a serious relationship. Speaking marriage in the first couple of months or so or, or one chill, you know, just saying, I want this, I want that. You know, guys who, when you effortlessly say no, they continue to insist until you say yes. Like, say, for instance, you may say, he's like, hey, I want to take you out to this concert on Saturday. And you say, well, I'm going to be tired. I have some things to do with the family. You know, I may not have time to do it, and I, I'm going to be very busy. And then they, they constantly don't accept no for an answer. They constantly, you know, that they're basically repetitively trying to wear you down until you say yes. That is a sign of someone that could potentially do, do that because usually domestic violence, the violence abusers don't like to be told no. They want to control what you're doing, when you do it, how you do it. And they they like to project this image as if they are, you know, totally innocent and, and, and just this person that, you know, and this angelical presence that just wants to be there to safeguard. All of that is in the act of a a, a power and submission, a, 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 a sense of power and um, submission, toxic, toxic power over you in order to control you and manipulate you to do what they want. A person that's a domestic violence abuser does not care how their behavior makes you feel. A person who abuses you in that way only cares about what matters to them, irregardless of if, if they have bruised you, hurt you, and made you feel unhappy. That's not what's important. What's important to them is that you're doing what they say to make them feel comfortable within their own skin because many of these guys are very, very hypersensitive and insecure and have, and have low self-esteem. And so because they're constantly in fear that you're going to want to be with somebody else. So those are some of the things. I know I've talked a lot about a variety of things, but I think you can kind of highlight and decipher from each aspect of, 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 of each concept that I've stated because um, there are a lot of men who, who project this behavior and females look at that as if this guy is into you. They misinterpret as if he's into you. They love you. They care for you so much. When all in actuality, they're, they're, they're creating this honeymoon period so that once things don't go their way, they're going to hold those things that they do so well against you in order to manipulate you into doing what they want. And the minute you don't, they're going to act in a way that's going to be violent.
<clears throat> okay, okay. Well said, well said, well said. Now for the side for the men to in regards to women, what signs a male should look for it for let's say if we come across a lovely lady or a woman that could be potentially an abuser as well. And mind you, before you answer this, the reason I'm asking for the male side and hopefully maybe the answer to the female side, I want to be balanced in this conversation because when people listen to this and when they see the subject, it's going to go right back to the men and think women are exempt to all things. And I want to be clear as possible so people must understand that you got to look at abuse in both aspects because in this culture, as a, as a people, we live in a very dysfunctional culture, and we don't understand when abuse or how abusive we are, not only in our own lives, but when we deal with ourselves in relationships. And we have to have a clear understanding to the ways how we move, right? We want to believe it or not, it is some, more, some way abusive. And we have to understand the signs and be clear about the few signs. So you can answer. So as, as it relates to women inflicting domestic violence, um, I think that is, is, is important for men to understand that women who, who, who tend to have a tendency to be overly, um, who, who have a sense of overly exerting themselves to please you, who, who may be argumentative. And what I mean by overly exerting, meaning that they, they constantly insist on doing things for you, meaning, oh, I'm going to cook your dinner for you. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'm going to do this for you. Don't worry about it. Um, or doing favors and little, little, little small things. They're constantly doing things, and, with, and with you may perceive that they're doing this to gain your, uh, um, you know, your trust and gain your – again, they're going to also do things to gain your love, gain your trust. Uh, they may be also a little bit uh, sexually, uh, you know, more uh, aggressive as far as doing those things that they know you like and want. But that comes at a price because – Women who do this also are very, very um, – I'm trying to look at lack of a better word. Um, they tend to be very territorial. Wait, wait, say that again? Say that again? I, I, that just slipped my ear, woman. I, it went one ear went out there. Repeat that one more time, please, sir. Territorial. And territorial in the sense of – they may have issues with you flirting with other women, even if you're not flirting. But they have issues with you talking around other women, being around other women. Uh, you know, let's say you want to spend time with your friends. There's an issue with you doing things or spending time with other people outside of them. They have issues with that, and they have a tendency to put to to uh, and, and to create a a a, a sense of a guilt trip on you for not spending time with them or not showing them uh, the type of um, uh, emotional support that they need. And so a lot of men who struggle with this, they, they, they find this woman trying to occupy and monopolize 
your time. Again, a lot of men may think, oh, man, she just loved me so much. Man, you know, the, the sex is crazy. See, all of those things is what she, again, this is all, see, they create this to, to make you think that they're doing this for you, but when they're actually doing this for themselves. That's the trick of an abuser. They do things to think, make you feel like you're getting the best treatment, but this is this comes at a cost. And so women who, who behave in this manner um, are doing this and so that they can control you socially. And they constantly are insecure about the fact of you possibly liking or taking up an interest in other women. And they may constantly say things about, I saw you looking at this woman's ass. Uh, why are you always talking to her? Who's texting you on the phone? Uh, you know, who are you talking to? Things of that sort. And the minute, as a man, um, you make a decision that I'm not interested in this engagement, out of frustration, they may slap or push you or throw something at you or be highly upset that they perceive you doing something that risks that relationship. Men, women are also more likely to use passive-aggressive means to make that point across towards you, you know, such as um, cutting your tires, scratching your car, calling you multiple times and hanging up, texting you with long, drawn-out text messages, emailing you with long novels and, and uh, uh, paragraphs, you know, things of that sort. The repetitiveness, the impulsiveness of it, the recurrent of all of this um, unneeded communication. Women who behave in this manner can be seen as abusive and and may may have the propensity to act out in violence if you trigger them by giving unwanted uh, outcomes and behaviors that they can't deal with. And understand, many of them act this way because they don't think you're going to hit them back. They're not going. To, a woman is not going to hit you if they think you're going. To, and I'm not saying men should project themselves as being uh, aggressive, in a sense. But most women don't hit violent men that they know to be violent. Most women are going to may do that to men that they think they're going to be a gentleman. They're going to maybe walk away, not going to hit you back. So those are kind of some of the things, those are some of the things that, um, as far as the behaviors that women may exemplify in a toxic relationship in order to control the male. And, and, and they will use these means as far as using sex, using, you know, just spending time with you, doing favors, cooking, doing all the things that you like at a price to, to, so that that means because I'm doing these things, you need to not do things that I think risk our our relationship. Doesn't matter how above and over the top it is, as far as the normalcy of it. It's the fact that I may not want you looking at another female. I don't want you talking. Why do you have to spend time with your family? Why do you have to go do this and that? You should only be focusing on me and nobody else. 
The difference is for us women, women look uh, engage in this in many instances for as attention and for validation. Men do it in a sense to control the woman because they, they, they may objectify the female as property or someone that they can control for their own usage. But there's a bit of a difference based on the needs, the over the generalized needs of the abuser, whether they're male or female. So as far as the female, those are certain, some of the, 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 um, the tell signs, telltale signs that men can look at. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, this is really good. This is really good. I think this is the first time I really cover something like this in totalitary. And I'm hoping in the near future as you progress for YouTube and have many more channels leader out that something like this would be more of a discussion, even go as far as once you um have any more certifications, that you will look into it to deal with the remedies and, you know, the signs dealing with anybody that feels they're in abuse that they could sit down and have these conversations, you know. Because uh, I never focus on it because I know when we talk about domestic abuse, from what I'm learning now, it happens on both sides. But we all know in the society is men are more demonized because we are, I guess, the aggressors. So a lot of men are not going to try to push back with legislation or even go as far as make a paper trail, i.e., you know, have her going locked up and have it on um, paper for the states to look at the data because they are doing analysis every quarter of the month because there's four quarters and they always reflect throughout the whole year what we look like what's the numbers this this many killings this many attacks they go through all this yearly to know where we stand and that's where the budget comes up when we say we need this money to take care of this issue this issue, this issue. And there's nothing really they see there's a problem, especially when we talk about domestic abuse from either side, especially when the women do engage it. The states are not going to focus on it. They're not going to look at it, and they're going to say, if you as a man and you're the aggressor and we find it, you're going to get heavily punished the most because I don't see women doing anything wrong, you know. And trust me, they have data and they have done research and there are scholars that have done research on this. I remember on the Green Grills, the Green Grills channel, he covered this with, by one particular, um, I think he's a scholar or analysis. He's been doing the research for decades and he found that women are just as much aggressive than men. And their aggression is so out of proportion that is so, that is not so controlled that we find our situation today as very much problematic even in the rise of Me Too and all this stuff. Even now, you can't see that most men can't even interact with women in the workforce in a way, which I don't think they should, but that's another story. But right. you know, to find out is a problem doing some things to do like you, in the, your nature as a man and find you can be punished, it's a big problem. It's a very problem. So that means, all right, so where are you as a woman going to find a mate? if you are trying to suppress the male nature, you know, on small things, not big on small things, you're not going to get picked at all. Right. Men are going to decide, say, and, you know, I'm not advocating what men, to, if men want to travel and find women outside of America, that's fine. You, you're in your right mind to do it because you have the money, resources, you do it. 
But I don't want this environment to be so uncomfortable where men have to force to make a harsh decision. And there's a lot of women here in America. And notice that majority of women right now, especially when it comes to our race, only one in four black men are going to get married. And now it's going to be one in five in the next four or five years. Once it gets to under 20%, it's a wrap for you. Most likely it's not going to happen. You can go outside this community and hope that some of the race will marry, but if you're not getting married in your group, you think other men are going to look at that? Most men, if they got some good going, they're not going to get married in this society and worry about it. they're going to get divorced in less than five years where they're going to have to pay some out of this woman. It might mean not a lot, but they're going to have to pay. And a lot of men are not going to do that. They're not going to do it. So they're going to say, well, hell with this. Since you're busting wide open, I'm just going to get that and keep pushing. And I don't want women to be just be the purpose of that, a pump and dump lifestyle. You know, so like I said, this is for education purpose only, ladies. So I'm hoping you understand this, including the men, to understand domestic abuse in its entirety. So, so now to wrap this all up, in regards, now we're at the remedies and solution part of things. What solutions or remedies in regards to domestic abuse for any person that is either a victim or potentially might be a victim in the future? Okay. Well, the solution to change as it relates to, to, to domestic violence is that in reducing domestic violence, I think it is important for you to understand as a person that no matter how much you love and care for someone, nobody has a right to abuse you physically, sexually, uh, financial abuse, verbal, psychological. Well, we need to understand that. I think that that to me, if you have that understanding, you're not that you don't allow people to do this, no matter how you feel about it. This that one that one state of mind of, of understanding that about yourself can reduce things greatly. So what happens is that when this happens the first time, people either uh, dismiss it or they look at it as not being a big deal or they think that it won't happen again. And the bottom line, if someone treats you like this once. In all actuality, if a similar occurrence or, in, or a situation occurs that triggers a similar behavior, they're going to respond in that manner again because they're unwilling. The, the, the fact that they get it one time shows, in particular, there's no corrective means to prevent it from happening again. The likelihood is that they're going to do it again. So you have to have the mindset of that. No one has the right to cause harm to you. Also, I want to, to, to preach Communication, communication is highly important in you stressing, stressing, stressing your opinion and listening to them and, uh, and talking to them about how we cannot be in this type of relationship or I'm not willing to accept this as a normal part of our relationship. Also, therapy is seen as a, I think that if, if, if this happens more than one time, Therapy or some type of some type of psychosocial education geared towards preventing this, these behaviors should be on the table to utilize in order to correct this behavior. Okay. Also, I want to encourage: um, don't make idle threats. If someone does something to harm you, call the police. Please report it. 
okay? And this is the thing that gets kind of sticky because a lot of people in these situations, they'll call the police, but they're not calling the police to arrest them. No, they're calling the police to, can you just talk to him or can you just talk to her and tell her not to do this? They want to use the police as a scare tactic instead of using the police as a way of making them accountable by being arrested for what they're doing. So those are some of the preventive measures that I have. And also, um, you know, even if it means you attending therapy, couples therapy, or, or individual therapy, I think that is the biggest um, tool, that, the, the best, most effective tool you can use as far as the individual learning through therapy that what they're doing is wrong and ways to prevent it from occurring again. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. You know, what other weird question that just popped up my head, um, D. Durrell, do you think as a man, if let's say my woman, and this is a question I asked on another channel, that if the woman, if your girlfriend or wife or whatever calls police on you and you get arrested for, for whatever reason, right, do you think that man should just divorce his wife or end the relationship with his girlfriend or baby mama. Repeat that again. I said, um, in regards to the authorities, right? Wait, hold on. One second. All right, hold on. Let me let me hold on a second. All right. Sorry about that. I was saying the question: Should a man divorce, end the relationship? Um, with his girlfriend or his wife, if she calls the police on him for whatever reason, um, if she calls the police on him for whatever reason, I don't think that that's grounds for ending the relationship. But I do think that it should be grounds that they should um, participate in some level of therapy. And if, okay. But now, if it repetitively happens to the point where it disrupts a person's ability to function earn a living or operate without the threat in their own household of, of losing their freedom or, or whatever, um, because that costs money. Then, you know, finding out all that stuff costs money. It costs time. It, it can disrupt the, the normal flow, whether you, particularly if you have children. I do think that if this repetitively happens, you may want to consider terminating a relationship. Okay, okay. Yeah, cause I had the same conversation with um, some gentleman, and he said that usually if that happens, automatically the relationship should be, should be over. Now, I thought in my mind that it has to be something very severe before I decide to pull the plug, you know. But like I said, I was sitting down with some great um, gentlemen and ladies having the discussion. And because I know the police is very much uh, – problematic because we don't run the police force as black people in our counties and our cities. So, you know, the police should not be just coming in on a given notice for every little problem. It should be for serious issues, severe issues. It should not be used as a tool just to control somebody, in my opinion. If it has to get to a point where you have to control somebody, to me, depending how long you know this person, both of y'all might have to go to therapy. You get me? Right. Just to see if you can mend this. And the reason why I say it is because if you've been in a relationship longer than three years, and let's say God knows you have children, 
it is vital you need to go see I mean need to see therapy. You get me? Right. And if that doesn't work, then yes, you might have to co parent and separate from your spouse. If you have kids. And that's right. the logic way to go about it. That's some I would say that would be the best way to go about it. Because let's be honest, we should be using the tools available to us to keep these relationships going. Because, hell, our parents, regardless before, after Jim Crow and before integration, most families, regardless of um, no-fault divorce, figured it out. They got married and they stayed married and figured it out. Now today the average couple today can't even figure out how to solve a simple problem, a disagreement, and they want to call it quits especially on the women's side, at 70 or 80% of divorce, filing divorce, or 6%. So it tells me you're not in it for the long haul to build something. If, you, if it's not going your way, you find a way out. And to me as a man, speaking personally, that you should not be getting out that easy. If you make the commitment, stay with it, work with it, and make it work. Get me? Right. This this bounce around this community is doing right now, it's not in our favor now to be having structural relationships that will lead to marriage and then bounce out in less than two years. Even people that have money to the real. Yeah, they could afford to keep relationships going, but there's still some inadequate and missing in those relationships because for a person to stay longer because you make more money than them, that tells you you're not in it for long. You're just here for the money and that's it. And anytime the money goes, so does that relationship goes to, correct? Right. So we have to be balanced in our relationships. What we want, what's the end goal? We want to see each other as a union. What we're going to produce with this union. That should be thinking every man and woman should sit down once they decide to say, we want to take this to a bigger level. And domestic abuse, because that is the focus of the subject tonight's show, we have to understand it's a totality and know the remedy solutions, how to deal with it, because it's not going to leave us as people. You can put as many policies as possible to slow it down, but at the end of the day, if you can't understand the main reason and cause of why people commit abuse domestically, it's always time. No policy is going to correct a human person's behavior overall. You have to deal with the solution part, why they doing it, what ways we could do to mitigate that? There should be prevention, real prevention, not some a quick fix. And this is why I can't have this conversation with, with women, if I want to have, because when I hear about domestic abuse, I'm going to hear say, all right, so you want something to happen to this man, and then it's no. You're going to find remedies and preventions right off the bat, so you don't put yourself in any domestic abuse, period. If you can't do that as a person, my advice, don't get in a relationship. Just live out your life, spend your money, go trips, buy animals, and be comfortable alone. It's that simple. So relationships, brother, is work. And if you're a person that feels you're not going to put your skin in the game, and you're going to try to cause dysfunction or something to create anguish to the opposite sex where it's going to lead to something physically violent, possibly, then you have failed. And this applies to either side because 
we don't want the ladies to get aggressive on us, fellas. Let's be honest, you know. No, we like that stuff, but we got to be really constant of our actions towards a certain set of women. Because women are just as aggressive as men now. So we have to be very cautious how we move out in the streets with these women, with these ladies, guys. All right. So that's all I'm going to say. Anywhere where they could find you, D. Durrell, or anything upcoming? Um, again, you, you can watch me on D. Durrell Life Solutions. Um, I do have some content that will be released uh, probably uh, Tuesday, between Tuesday and Friday. I'm looking to do at least five videos that I'm going to be releasing. I actually have some editing to do. Um, if not, if I don't release it tomorrow, definitely between Tuesday and Friday, I should have a host of about five videos. A couple of those videos are going to be PPP loan related, and it's also going to be about just relationships and different uh, social problems in the black community. Uh, I will be releasing those videos uh, no later than Tuesday, maybe tomorrow, but no later than Tuesday through Friday. Um, I will be doing a live stream. I'm going to be doing a live stream once a week. My live stream probably is going to be on Fridays or Saturday. I, I'm going to do one probably the midday, probably between 12 and 2 o'clock. Um, I'm going to make a point to do at least one live stream a week on the Life Solutions channel. So those those are the things I'm going to be doing as far as the, uh, my D-Derail the Rebirth. Um, I may be doing, I don't know yet, I'm probably going to do two live streams during the week. And then the weekend, I'll be doing content throughout the weekend. Excellent. 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 And like always, I appreciate your time and energy. You know, I think this is a learning experience. I hope you took some notes, D-Derail, for things that you want to implement for the abuse part of things since I gave you some ideals. Because that's what I'm good at, you know, give you some different ideals to look about this approach to you know? <laughs> okay, brother. Yeah. But other than that, you know, like I said, I'm subscribed to your channel. So for any other channels that you create, just either let me know for the email or on Facebook or, you know, text, wherever you, how you want. And I'll put it in the description of this stream for those that, um you know, want to subscribe to. Is that cool? All right, brother. No problem. All right. All right. So we'll talk again soon. Um, and like I said, everybody, you know, then look out for upcoming streams from D-Derell. This guy is the man. And trust me, he is back on the on the manosphere side of things, you know, doing the debates and stuff. So, you know, be on the lookout for that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Now, them, them dudes are going to kill you, bro. They're going to sit there and say, oh, no, not this therapist again. And you come to them and say, listen, brothers, I'm your red pill therapist. I know you got some red pill rage. I'm here to address your rage. Don't get mad at these chicks. It ain't nothing. It's just pussy. There are many more fishes on the sea. Just take a cool glass of water and chill. 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 <laughs> anyway. All right. Thanks, D-Girl. We'll all talk. right, brother. Peace. All right. And to all those that were listening to today's stream, thank you for listening. Join me again for another broadcast. And if you're not, Subscribe to Chaos Rain. What you waiting for? Hit that red bell. I mean, hit that red button, that nice red button that says subscribe. Then once the bell sign indicates, hit the top bell. You know, the top, top, top bell. Go ding. That's when you know I'll do an upload or a live stream on the Chaos Rain channel. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Chaos Rain 7. And I'm on, also on Facebook. Yes. 
Chaos is on Facebook as well. Follow me on name on Facebook, Eric Lane. So follow me on all social media outlets. And season two of Chaos Rain is now going to eventually be completed. I will put the links on upcoming streams where you can listen to the audio podcast of the shows. So thank you all for listening to today's stream. Until next time, take care and good night. I'd like to give a shout out to Dee Durrell again for being a special guest on this very much sensitive topic and wish for better a more great success for him in the near future. Subscribe to Dee Durrell Rebirth and all other outlets. Those links will be in the description. And like always, comment, subscribe, and like this video. You can follow me on Twitter at ChaosRain7. And now you can follow me on Facebook, Eric Rain on Facebook. Until next time, the Chaos Rain!